The more things change, the more they stay the same. And for the Green Bay Packers, that means yet another win over the Chicago Bears, a dominant 38-20 to win in week one to kick off the 2023 season. This week on the Pick 6, we're recapping every single part of the game from Jordan Love to the defense breakout stars from the game, all that and much more coming up on this week's edition, a Victory Tuesday edition of the Pick 6. And welcome to the Pick 6 Live, September 12th, 2023. He is Packers Central writer, former head honcho of Game On Wisconsin, beard haver extraordinaire Jacob Westendorf, (laughs) and I have type 1 diabetes. Thank you guys so much for joining us for the show today. It is a fun, light, excited atmosphere. We're all feeling great about the Packers destroying the Chicago Bears. Uh, I'm not in a coma, so that's also uh, a quite good. Jacob, how you feeling? We we talked about this last week, right? We're both from the state of Illinois. I, shoot, I'm from Cook County, Western Cook County. I'm not that far away where I grew up from Soldier Field. You have lived in Illinois for the majority of your life as well. This week always means more. The, the lead up and then since the Packers almost have always won in my life, the immediate aftermath has always meant more than any other week, saying Super Bowl. And the victory Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday afterwards, best days you could possibly have during a season. I know you feel the same way being still not too far away. Oh, yeah. One of my one of the best days of my life was the day after the, the Packers won the NFC Championship game in Chicago. And there is nothing that is a larger national treasure than 670 the score the Chicago sports radio station the day after the bears lose to the green Bay Packers and losing a game to go to the super bowl at soldier field where the quarterback didn't do the tough guy meatball thing. And everybody's questioning his talent and his toughness and all this. Just, I can't do the meatball. Chicago was just beautiful. And listening to Danny Parkins who bathes in the smell of his own freaking farts have to eat crow on Justin Fields, even though he refuses to do that. Like now it's all the bears fault that their golden child might stink all. And they, it was their show. It was his show with, uh, I think he's with Mark Grody, but um, they're the ones who tweeted out that Jordan loves a basic level quarterback or something like that. And then he comes in and beats the piss out of Chicago in his first career start as the team's preferred starting quarterback. I just, the way that I explained this the whole week, was anybody who's been on here and knows me knows I root for the university of Michigan. So I've been on the other side of one of these rivalries before every year, Ohio state, it was like clockwork. would just beat the piss out of the Wolverines that last Saturday, that first Saturday after Thanksgiving. And I never said anything leading up to that game because I knew what was coming. So Chicago fans, I can only think of two things. Number one, you're a glutton for punishment or number two, you haven't paid attention at all since 1992. Like, I think the number I read was the Packers are 48 and 15 now against the Bears since 19. 19- that is absurd. They're five for their last 31 against the Packers. Like, those are epic numbers and an epic beatdown. And I don't understand. I hope one day that my son 
has the irrational confidence to do anything and my daughter for the same token as the bears have bears fans have in their team and their crappy quarterback. Welcome to the show, Chicago. I still own you. And look, there are some, I will say no, knowing so many of them, so many of the people I grew up with, so many of the people I still know who are also fairly rational. My dad has been a bears fan his entire life. He was born in 1955. He's been a bears fan his entire life. I'm talking to him on the phone on Sunday night. And it was a lot of Justin Fields is no good. I knew this year was going to be bad. If we were bad last year, we're going to be bad again. Much more rational than say, I don't know, Justin Jones or Jaquan Brisker or Danny Parkins. So uh, there, there is a little rationality out there and I respect Bears fans like that, but all the talk, the entire off season of love sucks. The Packers aren't any good. Uh, whichever one of the Bears Twitter nut jobs that tweeted out the list of the positional rankings and who had the positional matchups between both rosters. Uh, not a single one favors the bears guys, not a single damn one of them. And that was on display in full effect in 4k this past weekend. Uh, what a thrill it was going to be. And we're going to break down the entire thing. We'll get to Jordan love. We'll get to some of the other high points of the game. I am especially intrigued about Jacob's take on the defensive line because I probably am more optimistic about that group after this week than any other group on the field. And I think that even includes quarterback number 10. So we're going to get to that. We'll name our first of the year. Boy, he did it. Player of the week for the Green Bay Packers. You know I'm excited about that. If you've literally been on my Twitter ever, you know how excited I am to get to that particular segment. Plus, we'll talk a little Aaron Rodgers. I mean, how do you not? We're not trying to be obsessive, but how do you not at least bring that up? Some other Bears-Packers uh, rivalry. Story, yeah. yeah, that's and, a huge story. I mean, like the greatest player, arguably, in the history of the franchise's career might have ended last night. Like that is – I'm not I'm not breaking any news or anything, but like that's a that's a massive deal. And like I – anybody who's asked me, I was not rooting for the Jets. I didn't really care about the success of the, the former quarterback and – I'd be very honest by telling you there's, yeah, there's a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth with the way he handled things on the way out the door for the last three years or so. But even still watching his leg pop, like, I mean, I still have shutters through my spine watching that happen. It's a huge story. So it's not, we can't ignore it. I don't think there's, there's a way to, it's the same reason anytime Brett Favre does anything, it comes in like franchise legend. It's just how it is. So we will we will get to that. And of course, unlike Chicago, week one was not the Super Bowl for the Green Bay Packers. So we have a week two game to get prepared for as well. Packers Falcons in Atlanta coming up this weekend. We'll get you our picks for that game coming up later on in the show as well. But as we do every week, Jacob, why don't we start with the extra point, the perfectly chronological way we start our show every single week, our extra point and a perfectly themed one that you came up with this week. You're in Chicago, okay? You're in the greater Chicagoland area or Arizona, and I think Florida now, too, has location. You mm -hmm. visit your local neighborhood Portillo's establishment. You are decked out all in Green Bay gear. You got We both Packers hats on today. You've got the Packer quarter zip on right now. You waltz in, and before you start talking shit to you know Joe Bears fan from Cicero or Marco from Berwyn, who is still talking trash even though they got their asses whooped, what are you ordering? What's, what's the Portillo's go-to? Yeah, so this topic was inspired uh, by Ross Uglum, who made his way to my residence over the weekend with Jacob Morley. And they were asking, like, what should we do while we're in the area? And I said, go to Portillo's. And Ross, like, knew about that. So he, then they mm -hmm. asked, what's the order? So my order, 
And shout out to Vince Costa because my head says Portillo's and my heart says Portillo's 100% of the time. Um, my order is a big beef with mozzarella, uh, no peppers. That is uh, spicy food doesn't often agree with me um, mm-hmm. to keep things uh, PG, I guess. <laughs> um, a, a large cheese fry. And I get an extra cup of the cheddar cheese to, or the not, whatever you call that, to dip mm-hmm. my sandwich in as well. Yeah. So my sandwich and my, so I have one dip for my fries and one dip for my sandwich. And then a, just a regular um, chocolate milkshake. I don't like cake. So the cake shake, which is one of their like trademarks is not, not one of my things, but you I don't know, like cake. No, I don't. Um, I never ice cream cake. <laughs> cool. But like, yeah, when it comes to baked goods, cookies, brownies, whatever, but cake, I'm not, not interested oh. in that. So there you have it. It's it's a big beef, no peppers, plus mozzarella. If I'm drinking something, I Portillo's Coke isn't quite like like McDonald's Coke. You guys know that like everybody in the world knows McDonald's Coke is different than regular can of Coke. But Portillo's Coke is pretty decent if you eat their stuff uh, as well. So if I have to drink something instead of the shake, that's what that's what I would have. But yeah, that's my order. It's it's a lot of calories. Um, what did you say? Hell yeah, diabetes or something to a tweet when uh, I don't remember who it was, but somebody who was diabetic. Uh, and then my response was something else, but it could be me after eating Portillo's because that is my order. Uh, I believe that was when Travis Kelsey was ruled out week one for the Chiefs and Noah Gray was the stand-in starting tight end for the Chiefs. One of two starting type one or one of two type one diabetic tight ends in the NFL. Can you name the other, by the way? No. Mark Andrews. I Mark mean, Andrews. I, I Mark Andrews was like in my head, but like. <laughs> If I, if I knew that it would be because of you. So there you go. <laughs> that, that would make sense. That would absolutely make sense. We actually have extremely similar orders. Uh, I go with the beef. If I'm going to add anything to it, I'm adding peppers, not cheese, but I often just do beef. Got to make it as wet as possible. Cheese fry. I also do the regular chocolate shake most of the time, but I am on a special occasion. I will get the cake shake. I didn't know you didn't like cake. What do you do on your birthday? You just had a birthday, what, nine days ago? What did you do? Like, how do you celebrate it? Yeah, nobody cares about my birthday anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm old now, and they're close enough. Like, my daughter's birthday is on Monday, and my son's is next Wednesday. So, like, they're so close in proximity that it's just, like, whatever. Um, I will buy, like, a Dairy Queen Blizzard. Or when I was younger, my Antoinette, RIP, would make me brownies um, because I oh, preferred yeah. those to, to cake. Um, or... I will go with a Dairy Queen ice cream cake. There are a few luxuries in this life that are as good as the Dairy Queen ice cream cake. All right. I can respect it. I did not know. See, I learned this is why we do this, because now I learned something brand new about you I had no idea from before. Uh, and now I miss home and miss Portillo's a whole lot. So I, I appreciate Ross for, uh, for bringing this topic up. All right. Let's get to the game itself. Speaking of Chicago. I mean, the Packers beat the tar out of them, man. I know the start of the game was ugly, and the first drive was great. I mean, it wasn't exactly a a full field traversing drive, but I thought it was efficient. I thought Love had some good looks, got an early look at how good he was throughout the game on third and fourth down. I thought the receivers were getting open. The designs were good. I thought the first drive looked great. The rest of the first half, eh, until the very end when Carlson steps in, knocks in that long field goal right before the half, feeling decent at 10-6, to and then... I mean, the floodgates just opened up and there was no 
relenting in that second half. I know the Bears did get that one touchdown drive field to the pass. I think it was Mooney who ended up catching it right side of the end zone. But other than that, I mean, it was just a deluge of Packer success offensively, defensively. We'll get to the defense in particular in a little bit. We'll get to a bunch of players particularly in a little bit. But the two things that I come away with sort of big picture from this game, one, from the Packer-specific perspective, this is, I think, the most combined tenacity and speed that they have played with in one game in a long time. The only comparison that I can think of in really recent memory, they were jacked up for the second Vikings game last year. You remember Mm -hmm. Jair hitting the gritty on Justin Jefferson. We all remember that moment. We remember how fun that win was and the Packers playoff hopes were still alive. They played pretty fast and loose in that game. But in terms of the energy, the honestly, the excitement these guys played with, the edge that everyone, especially on defense, and I thought the offensive line played with too, I don't remember the last time this team looked that charged up, especially to start a season, because we know how bad the season openers have been the last couple of years. So that, to me, really stood out for the Packers, and that is a a huge asset, the togetherness, the chemistry of this team. We all saw the clip, I think it was Joe Kipp who tweeted it out on uh, Twitter, that when Love got knocked to the sideline, knocked down Mm -hmm. after that short run in the first quarter, the whole freaking bench comes up and lifts him up. I mean, there's... Belief is an important thing. Belief is a powerful thing. This team's got it. They might not be good, but this is one of those situations possibly where they don't know that they're not good. Like they don't know what they don't know because the oldest wide receivers are Watson and Dobbs and, and Samori Toure. And Love doesn't really know what it is like to not be good long-term in the NFL. He's had one start in garbage time a couple of times. The offensive line is experienced for the most part. You still got young guys out there. The running backs are experienced, sure. Tight ends are all brand new. Like, they don't they don't know what they don't know, and I think that's going to benefit this team, and I think they played with an edge they don't often have. The other thing, and not to completely pile on the opponents here because everybody's done enough piling on them, including the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. Looking back, and I know it's easy to play the, the retrospect game and the hindsight game, The clip has gone around. I know a handful of people have tweeted out a screenshot of it. All the people on NFL Network picking the Bears to win the game, which whatever. The spread favored the Bears. I know it was in Chicago, but still. Like, why? Why? What would lead you to believe over the course of the offseason, last season, the things coming back, the pieces we knew the Bears had, what would lead you to believe that was a better team than the Green Bay Packers? I know spreads and gambling lines don't always just boil down to who's the better team. In fact, most of the time they don't just boil down to that, but this was a mismatch on paper. And I'm surprised that so many people nationally were so all in on the bears, other than the fact that some folks want Justin Fields to be good. So badly, they want him to finally be great because he's exciting. He's an unbelievable athlete a truly incredible I mean some of the stuff he was doing in the first half breaking tackles there are not many running backs wide receivers tight ends anyone who can do that in the NFL and he was doing it regularly the problem is he can't throw and I see all this complaining from Bears fans that Luke Getze is a moron and hey maybe that's true I I don't I don't know maybe he is just terrible and Matt Eberflus they were touting him up as a head coach candidate and a guy that they couldn't lose last year when they had that stretch of scoring 30 points a bunch of weeks in a row so I no. Listen, this is getting absolutely ridiculous how we have just collected like every talking point, the goalpost moves, right? Yeah. So Justin Fields, the first season was why he's a rookie and Matt Nagy's a terrible coach. Okay, they replaced Matt Nagy and he's not a rookie anymore. 
Then it's he has the worst supporting cast in the league. Okay, well, they signed a bunch of offensive linemen, added a receiver that you traded the number one overall pick for, by the way, to go up and get or go back and get, I guess. And he has two catches for 25 yards. And Jair Alexander says it was a quiet day for him. I don't know if anybody expected anything different. At some point, all of the numbers that are just fly in the face of all the crap that everybody, and listen, I understand fans wanting to believe in their guy. I completely understand that. What I don't understand is the national media that is insistent. Like Friday, I was listening to Shine on Sports. Everybody I know in Packers Nation isn't a big fan of Adam Shine. I've listened every morning for the last four years. He said something along the lines of the comparison between Jordan Love and Justin Fields as a quarterback is offensive to Justin Fields. And I'm not picking on Shine when I say this because that is a common theme across this analysis. And then he went in to say how he was good running the football last year. True. And then got better throwing the ball by the end of the year. I don't know how that's true. Considering his last start, he was seven for 24 and threw an interception to Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson plays defensive end. So that's well, pretty good. In fairness to that one, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a first ballot hall of famer. And he did that too. Yeah. But one guy, you know, one of these is not like the other, right? So true. right, right. It's the the national media that insists, like Kay Adams. I love Kay Adams. Kay Adams says on Locked On Packers, we've seen what Justin Fields can do with people around him. In college, that was a long time ago, and not in the NFL. And he's never shown the capability for the entire offense to be consistent in the passing game for this. So I just, I, he's not good. I I'm sorry. I, I don't know if Jordan love is any good, but I, I know that that dude's not any good. And yep. the bears, I said it when they were picking number one and people smirked and smiled and laughed and all that stuff. When you are picking number one overall, meaning nobody else picks in front of you, you can have whoever the hell you want in the entire draft. Everything is on the table. And if it were me, I would have taken Bryce young because I, I don't know if Bryce Young is going to be good, but I'm more confident he's going to be good than Justin Fields. And it was just delicious listening to these people who touted him as an MVP candidate all offseason to start putting tank for Caleb Williams, tank for Drake May. Like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't get to do that. There are people in my fantasy league, which nobody gives a shit about, but their team name is just him fields to quote Dave Chappelle. He is not your champ. This is not the one that's going to bring you to the promised land. And I'll tell you this, Brendan narratives are a powerful thing because the reason so many people were on the bears is because of the narrative surrounding Justin Fields. Well, they finally got him help and every crappy quarterback for the first two years is going to be Josh Allen or Jalen hurts. Even though there's nothing really to suggest that Justin Fields is as good as either one of those guys other than he did some cool stuff in college, which we're maybe seeing why now he's surrounded by everyone and able to hold the ball for 10 seconds at a time. The NFL doesn't work like that. Um, Jordan Love, the narrative surrounding him is worst draft pick ever, pushed a Hall of Famer out of town. Why would the Packers do that? They did that to piss off Aaron Rodgers intentionally, but he's not any good. Well, again, 
I don't know if Jordan Love is any good, but I'm pretty confident he's better than Justin Fields. And as long as that continues, my guy Bill Huber said it. As long as the like the Packers have the advantage at quarterback again, as they have for the last 30 years, they have the advantage at quarterback again. And Chicago, the one thing I think you're rooting for if you're a Packers fan, and I am, is that Chicago wins enough games to get them out of the range of Caleb Williams and Drake May. And don't draft J.J. McCarthy because that would break my heart. I don't want to have to root against him. But that's that's beside the point. I want them to commit to Justin Fields. But I don't think I don't think the coaching staff believes in him. I think there might be a disconnect between the coaching staff and the general manager on that. I don't know. But I, what? I think Eberflus said it before the season that they're not – they're going to let Justin be Justin, which doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make him throw the ball a ton. It's like, well, that quote isn't, that's not a good thing. Not doing what you think it's, you're doing there, pal. No, this is like once upon a time when Michael Vick was the Falcons quarterback and everyone was like, oh, you can't make him, you can't make him be a passer when he has those legs. You got to let him be him. Randall Cunningham, even back in the day, used to have a let Randall, I can't, I think his hat said, let Randall be Randall or let me be me or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, sure. You don't want to rob the quarterback of athleticism that he has, but I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. This is the way the NFL works. And at the end of the day, this game is about being able to make a play in the pocket. And you can say what you want about how, well, Jalen hurts can move. Sure. He can. And you know what he did in the super bowl threw a bomb to AJ Brown. Was yep. throwing dots to Dallas Goddard on third downs. Patrick Mahomes, I don't have to explain the greatness of Patrick. Well, apparently I do because since they lost one game to the Lions, he sucks now. But it's a weird the, – the new cycle is weird. Anyways, I've, I've talked enough. I, the, I, I don't understand their confidence. I don't understand any of the hype that has surrounded Justin Fields. I understood if you wanted to say, like, let's see how he does with this new supporting cast – and allegedly this Packers defense sucks and he lit him up. And one of my, uh, one of my guys here in, in the chat, and I'm trying to find it as I sit here, but it was funny how here it is Gil. funny how it went from the bears are going to beat us to congrats. You beat the worst team in the NFL. And I tried telling everybody who was willing to listen to that, why I thought green Bay was going to win on Sunday. The bears had the number one overall pick last season. I don't care how many players they went out and bought and grabbed and everything like that. No way. Green Bay's roster is just way too talented, and they proved it. It was 38 to 14 with six minutes to play. One final thought to put a bow on the discussion about how terrible uh, the Bears quarterback is. I, I see so constantly, let him throw. Why are we throwing all these tunnel screens? Why are we throwing bubble screens? Throw the ball down the field. Let him throw the ball. Let him move the pocket. Nobody has seen more Justin Fields throws than Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus over the last two years. Nobody, and whoever their quarterback's coach is, nobody has seen more of him than them. Don't you think if they were confident in his ability to throw the ball down the field, they'd let him throw the ball down the field? Even football terrorist Joe Lombardi, who has a brain the size of like half a circus peanut, occasionally made the right play call in Los Angeles with Justin Herbert the last two years. Like, Don't you think those guys would at least sometimes – let it happen and let fields throw the ball down the field. 
if he actually was good this. at it. <laughs> he threw the ball down the field 10 yards one time, and who was who was there to catch it? Quite Walker hit <laughs> him right in the fucking chest. So he was dude, he was staring a hole into Fields' eyes the entire time. The end zone view of that play is incredible. Walker is not, I mean, I know he's got an assignment, he's doing something, but if you didn't like know football and know the schemes and all that, you would look and say, Wow, Walker's just standing there. He, he's he's barely even doing anything. He's just waiting, and the ball goes right to him because Fields is staring right down the middle of the field the entire time. He's I know we talk Packers. I know this is a Packers show. It's just that sort of shit is nonsensical, and is I'm I'm glad the Bears or I'm glad the Packers won. Excuse me, um, because we get to shut this nonsense up and get to shut idiots like Jaquan Brisker up for at least. But you don't, day. you don't. They they're they're all the Mondays and Tuesdays. They're talking about how like oh it'll happen in January. Which Dude, it's one? Sad. Which like, January? It's, it's legitimately sad. Like how? And if I I said this on Twitter, if I was three and fifteen in my career, I'd probably be a sour loser too. Like I it would probably come very easy to me to be a loser if I lost that much in my professional career. So I, I get that. I totally get it. But um, it's embarrassing for them. It's awesome for us. And I will take that 100 times out of 100. We might as well talk about the quarterback. We talked enough about Bears quarterback and how he is terrible. Um, look, we know this season is all about number 10 or almost all of this season is all about number 10 and his progression and what is he going to be? And will he be better in week 18 than he is in week one and better in week two than he is in week one, so on and so forth. And we know there'll be growing pains, but we know there'll be a good moments. I thought there were a few throws that were, were rough or decisions that maybe weren't great in week one. I also thought there were some play, some broken down plays. We, we all know that the deep, the leak to uh, the Luke Musgrave, the fumbled snap, he picks it back up, throws it off his back foot, things like that. Like, oh, damn, maybe he can improvise as well. There was a lot more good than bad. And after watching um, JT O'Sullivan, the QB school, who I he does an incredible job breaking the stuff down and making it understandable for for morons like yours truly, I, I, I feel even better about what Love did this week. I... I don't know that he's good. I'm with you. There's way too much football left to know if he's actually going to be a good NFL player. But I'll tell you what, man, I'm I'm encouraged. I am more encouraged now than I have been at any other point. And I understand the Bears are terrible. I understand their defense is doggy do. And some of those dudes were just getting cardio in instead of actually playing defense on Sunday. But there were some things to really like from the velocity he gets on the ball to the improvisation to the anticipation. I think there was a lot to like in this game, and I'm at the very least encouraged, even if I'm not totally sold yet, that he's permanently the guy. Yeah, and a no look, uh, a no look to Jaden Reed, which that's the other part about the the most exciting part, in my opinion, about this game. If you're a Packers fan, and I am, is that I just every every fan that's in Illinois, I just want them to know I root for the better team. But anyways, that's not the point. Um, they played this game getting 10 snaps from Rashawn Gary, which by the way, damn. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to Rashawn here in just a little bit. 10 snaps from Gary. They basically, because they didn't use him and he missed most of the second half with a hamstring injury, were missing Aaron Jones for two and a half to three quarters of the game. And Christian Watson didn't play a snap. So three of your, what, 12? most important players 
barely stepped on the field and the Packers played beat him down. And, and again, it is Chicago. And I, and I do think that it is now, even though I thought that was fair before the game, it is fair to say that, yeah, there's that caveat. They were the worst team in the NFL last season. So, okay, let's see what happens this week against Atlanta, who I think is at minimum a functional NFL team. What sure. more, what more? I don't know. You know, we'll see from there, but with Jordan love specifically, it's a little weird because it's kind of backwards from how you think it should go. They were terrible on early downs. Like basically, I think it was like 0.36 EPA per play or something like that on first and second down. Awful. And third and fourth down, he was money in the bank. And like they set the tone on that. The first drive of the game, they get the ball and they make a statement on stuffing Cole Komet and Justin Fields on back-to-back gimmicky quarterback sneak plays. And the Packers stuff that they get the ball and their first two plays gave me like, I literally rolled my eyes at both of them. Uh, the triple option to Jaden Reed made me consider diving face first into my knife rack. Like I, I just couldn't No, I can't do that. So third and 13, I'm like, Oh my God. Like it's the worst possible scenario. Like the bears go and give us the ball and we're on their side of the field and we've lost three yards. And now you're asking, Jordan Love in his first start. And what's he do? He just calmly hits Dobbs for a slant and gets first down. And then they go down the field and he scores a touchdown uh, on the first drive. And then it kind of sucks for the rest of the first half. Um, it was, I mean, I'm there's nothing to sugarcoat on that. It was not aesthetically pleasing to watch either one of these offenses try and operate in, in the latter part of the first half. And then the second half hit and the Packers, I think Peter Bukowski called it a discount double dip. They get the field goal at the end of the, the first half, which, that was also kind of gross just based on the management of the clock and everything like that, but whatever. Um, and then they go down the field and score a touchdown. And, and I, Ben Fennel often says offense doesn't have to be hard. Well, they featured Aaron Jones on the first drive and they scored a touchdown. And then they featured Aaron Jones on this drive with a 51 yard throwback screen. And then he scores a touchdown on a dive play um, where Zach Tom just bullies the guy across from him and makes a lane. And Jones basically goes in untouched uh, for a touchdown. And it's 17-6, and they were off and running from there. You know, the, they got up to 24-6, to six and uh, on a fourth down. But this is what I think, Brendan, and I'd like to get. I know, in general, for the most part, if it's if we're asking should they punt or go for it or kick or go, you're pretty much always going to say go for it. But always. when that – yeah, when that play hit, I would have – I expected Matt LaFleur to kick a field goal and and quote unquote take the points because his nature I did too, is for what it's worth yeah yeah the nature of his career has been conservative but i thought it was a bit of a statement from lafleur and he said darnell savage kind of talked him into it so shout out savage who i thought played really well on sunday as well mm-hmm. he said they wanted to put the ball in their best player's hand and they ran an angle route love hit him in stride and he was off to the races i think that was number one confidence in this defense which was dominant I know the Bears scored 20 points, but realistically only 14 of them were of significance and confidence in the offense. And it would have been, I think in this case too, a little bit easier to justify kicking just because Dobbs is hobbled Jones. You have him, no Watson, Dontavian Wicks is just a baby Malik Heath, Savari tour. Like the group they Jordan love had out there was like, not inspiring from the standpoint of not a lot of proven NFL talent at that point. But I was, I was impressed with the floor's gumption and the call to go for it. And it paid off because I didn't call the game over until 
the leak play to Musgrave and the touchdown to, to Romeo Dobbs. But it was probably over at 24 to six, if we're being a hundred percent honest, but I thought that was a big deal. Like what was your take as going through that scenario of like, Hey, they're going to go for it or not. Well, in terms of the play call itself, I guess I'll work backwards here. Beautiful. Perfect. Anyone who has ever played an NCAA football game or a Madden game before knows Texas is always open. So beautiful. Love the design there. Nobody is better at running that than Aaron Jones. Just perfectly done, I thought, by LaFleur. That was a great call. Great throw by by Jordan Love. I mean, everything about that play worked perfectly. In terms of the decision to go for it, I was kind of shocked. I asked my wife, we're sitting on the couch watching together, and I, I love to play the, all right, you make the call, go for it or kick it here. And we both said, yeah, it's probably going to be a kick. And I, I've i watched every game of Matt LaFleur's head coaching career. Like, I, I know how he operates. We all know how Matt LaFleur operates most of the time. And I'm 100% with you. I think it took it took some balls. It took some, some gutsiness. But I love the fact that they were willing to, to, and I'm, I'm going to borrow a phrase here from the play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. They wanted to He's put so the good. hammer down. He's incredible. He nicest guy in the world. Um, yeah, his touchdown just, call is my favorite one. Like of all the, oh, yeah. the touchdown Kansas City thing is as good as anybody's. I think better than anybody's who's radio voice host too. Much better than the dude from the Patriots. That guy sucks. Not the play-by-play guy, but Scott Zolak. He sucks. Zolak. <laughs> he sucks, dude. Like. I will never. I remember what was it? The Chiefs were playing the Patriots, and it was before they had won a Super Bowl. Chris Jones sacks Tom Brady, and they were like dancing behind him or whatever. And he goes, "Go win something," and then talk to me. I'm like, "You're talking shit to a player? Like what? What are we even? What did you win in your career, Scott? What what accolades did you win in your career, Mister Zolak? Right, and you're tough guy talk from up here. But if Chris Jones stood this far away from him, he'd piss his pants. It's like Paul Allen level bad. But he, he he loves to say they are going to put the hammer down. That's what the Packers did there. And similar to what I was telling you earlier about how I noticed that this team is playing faster and more aggressively and with more energy, I thought, on both sides of the ball that we've seen in a long time. I thought that was another manifestation of that. I thought that was, hey, we our entire offensive plan for 2023 is sink or swim. We've got brand new wide receivers. We've got brand new tight ends. We've got a young quarterback. We've got an offensive line that is mostly established, good running backs. Let's figure it out. We're, we're going to throw you in the ocean. You're going to sink or you're going to swim. And this was an opportunity in a game that the Packers already were close to having in hand to say, all right, Jordan, go do it. Go pin them down and step on their throat, step on their big, hairy, grizzly bear throat. And he did it. And that is a big deal. And that is where, yeah, I was careful there. You, that is an important thing. And I imagine if you're Jordan Love too, like you've got to be feeling great about that, right? That shoot, I, they got the confidence in me to go out there and make this play. I made it. Let's stack those wins. Let's continue to build on that. I was all about that. And by the way, the final touchdown, the, the second one to Romeo Dobbs, I hate fades. I hate goal line fades because I don't think enough receivers can run the route well enough and get up high enough to make it work. And I don't think most quarterbacks, even ones who can throw the fade, don't throw it accurately enough or accurately constantly enough. That throw, Jacob, was so freaking good. Like, There are dudes who have been pro bowl, all pro kind of quarterbacks for years who don't throw a fade that pretty. And the way he got it perfectly up in the air, Dobbs goes up, does a great job high-pointing it and hauling it in. 
we will not see a fade better than that in all likelihood from a Packer game the rest of this season. That was awesome. It was sick to see a play like that. So even with the things that need obvious work, the good was awesome. I mean, it really, really was. And I, I'm jazzed about it. I feel great. I, if nothing else, like shoot, we know what it can be, right? Like, even if he can't always be this, we know what he can be. And that's a good place to be. I'd rather be there than saying we've got to draft a dude in the top three again this year. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, again, there's gotta be more to it. You know, it's kind of tough when your quarterback is maybe good enough, you know, we've seen in this league that Mm -hmm. it's tough to win the super bowl with a guy that's maybe good enough. So you want to see more from Jordan love, obviously. Um, You know, like I said, being in the top three sucks and it's easy to like want to pin your hopes. And it's easy for us to say, go get Caleb, go get Drake, go get whoever, but getting there sucks. I mean, I remember it hasn't happened often, but the four and 12 season of 2005 was terrible. And the reward for it was AJ Hawk, which at the time felt awesome, but it wasn't. So I'm happy with what I saw for the most part. I want to see him with the full complement of players. And the best news of the day really is that that offensive line from at least a pass blocking standpoint, run game left a little to be desired, but that pass blocking unit in front of him is an absolute brick. Like they were absolutely phenomenal. Now, granted the bears were the worst team in the NFL last year at rushing the passers. So maybe this week it doesn't get too much better. Atlanta's not a very good pass rushing team either. So they don't really see one of those for a little while yet, but you I don't think you could be discouraged by what you saw. I I think I said I would give love like a B minus on the day, which isn't bad, but you know, there was plenty of things to, to clean up as well. And some of those things, one of the hard parts is, you know, we don't know, like one of the place to Musgrave, I think that was Musgrave who slowed down the shot play to some Brad Bach, my guy, welcome aboard. Good to see you here. Uh, yeah, it's exciting because we don't know what we have. And I think that's the best way to put it. But there are a few things we do know, Brendan. And, you know, some of those things will be what we talk about here next. Yeah, as good as the offensive line was, and they, they were sensational in this game, especially protecting for the pass. I want to get to the defensive front in this game. I thought the defense played well. Granted, they were playing, you know, Rockford High JV out there for most of the game. So it, you know, so be it, whatever. You have to grade on a curve. I get it. The defensive line looked sick in this game, man. That Bears offensive front, I know they're trash. I know they're dog water. I get it. Kenny Clark looked good. I The play, and they uh, – Greg Olson called this out on the broadcast too. The play where he's going after Fields, recognizes the screen, peels back and blows it up. One of the smartest defensive line plays I've seen in a while, and a very obviously smart defensive line play. Rashawn Gary is – I mean, what do you say? He's an alien. He's a freak. He's different. He's truly unique. I mean, he's he's as special as My it child. gets coming off the edge. Oh. One of the very best in the entire NFL. I thought Devontae Wyatt was awesome. We all saw the splash play that he made uh, early in the game to get through that line and just destroy fields on that little bootleg. I mean, that's one of the best defensive line performances this team has seen collectively in a long time. And I'm, I'm saying line, but I'm including the edge guys in here, too. Lucas Van Ness had a couple of moments. We all remember the play deep in the red zone where he made that stop on Justin Fields. No one seemed to be able to catch up to him on the ground early in the game. He was right with him step for step, grabbed him, wrapped him up, and hogtied him down to the ground. I thought there were a lot of good individual efforts. I thought as a group they looked good. And again, the theme that I've kept bringing up throughout this show, they played fast, they played energetic, they played downhill, and they just they kind of played free. Your defenses sometimes talk about how we we stopped thinking when we started playing. We started reacting instead of thinking. 
And in most walks of life, you talk about someone reacting instead of thinking you get in trouble. And both of us being married men, I know we both know what that is exactly like. <laughs> but sometimes that's what you need for a defense. And for a defense that has been slow and plodding for years, even before Joe Barry, that's not just a Barry problem. That was a Petten problem. That was a Capers problem. It's been an issue for this team. To play like that was really encouraging for me. They're going to have a much harder tests the rest of the year like pretty much all of their other opponents the rest of the year are going to be bigger tests. But similar to Love, I'm encouraged. Like this is, again, what it could be. And for how up in the air the results of this season are, I'd rather see positivity early than go into week week two, week three, week four, thinking, well, this sucks again. I, I much rather would be in this spot. And I think these guys have brought us there. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about like the plotting nature. There are no more... Dean Lowry's and Jonathan Ford's and just some of the big, slow, non-athletic defensive line. Like all of those dudes are space aliens. Mm -hmm. Like, and when they pull their pass rushers, their first pass rush unit off the field, if it's Gary and Preston Smith, then it's Kingsley and Agbre and Lucas Van Ness. And then after that, you sprinkle in a little Justin Hollins. And then, oh yeah, on the interior, Devontae Wyatt, who true North Packer fan says he showed a glimpse of why he was first round. Yeah. And I think that was a big deal because he had a hot start to camp and then he went quiet and then you just didn't really know what to expect. And this is a guy they need to be good because they don't have a, a lot of investment in that crew. But I mean, 35 pressures, four sacks. They had a sack by Rashawn Gary wiped off the board because of a 12 men slash offsides, whatever you want to call that penalty. They had that wiped out. They could have had two or three more sacks, but Fields is Fields. So one of the things he is good mm -hmm. at is escaping and being able to run. But, I mean, this might be other than the offensive. Like, the strength of this Packers team, and this is exciting. In my opinion, if you understand football, then you understand this. The line of scrimmage is still where teams win football games. And I know that's not a popular thing to talk about, think about, say, whatever in the fantasy football era where it's all about just chucking, ducking and playing seven on seven. And I understand that. And those things have their place, but this game is one on the line of scrimmage and it has been for a hundred years and it will be for a hundred more years. The Packers strength of their team might be on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that's something that is so incredibly exciting for me. I still think there may be a piece away on the offensive line, whether that's at center mm -hmm. or right guard, maybe both. Um, but they are so close to creating just bricks on that side of the ball. And the Packers, like, it's exciting to think about. And and the guys that they add and Gutica, like Lucas Van Ness, that play where he tracked down Justin Fields and threw him to the ground. Like, big men like that aren't supposed to move that fast. Devontae Wyatt, not supposed to move like that on his set. Carl Brooks is a good pass rusher. Like, they've got guys. Now, I'm interested to see what do they do against a real team, but – I don't know how you could be anything but encouraged. And again, I pointed out, yes, they do. They still suck. Like I pointed out before we even got going on this, they got 10 snaps from their best player on the front seven. 10 snaps. That's it. And they were able to do that. So now what happens when Gary's further removed and further removed and plays more and more and more? I mean, Rashawn Gary looked every bit like Rashawn Gary. So what's he going to look like with a full complement of snaps? Probably like Rashawn Gary for a whole game, which is really good. It's exciting. I don't know how you could feel anything otherwise. And me, I'm the president of the Pass Rusher Fan Club. 
I was one of like five people that was excited when the Packers took Lucas Van Ness instead of Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I am even more excited after his debut. He had five pressures in his first game as a rookie. And he doesn't even know what the hell he's doing yet. Wait till he figures out what he's doing. Like this is as exciting, as excited as I've been about a Packers pass rush group. Probably even before like 2014, because that was when they had Clay and Julius Peppers and Mike mm-hmm. Neal and Nick Perry. Like, I'm, I'm I'm excited. I don't know what else I could say for for this group. That was incredible. That was a great performance. Let's get to a couple of quick hitters here to round out uh, Bears week. We are approaching the fourth quarter of this week's pick six. And of course, a reminder that coming up eight o'clock Lambo time tonight, we'll kick things over to the freezer. That trio will take you from eight to nine tonight on this stacked Tuesday night on across or across the game on Wisconsin social media channels, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter as well. But let's close things out here. Bears week, a dominant win for the first time this season. Our boy, he did it player of the week if you follow yours truly on twitter i don't necessarily recommend it but i appreciate it if you do every time someone goes to raising canes okay i love raising canes it it is number one on the fast food power rankings for me i love it box combo no slaw extra toast extra sauce lemonade light ice in case you were curious amen people tweet it at me or just tweet it in general and i respond every single time it is the strongest part of my brand stronger than covering the university of kansas covering the green bay packers having diabetes, anything. It is my love of Raising Cane's. And I always tweet, boy, he did it. Every single time I see someone went there for lunch, for dinner. If you're like me and you eat dinner at 1030 sometimes, does not matter. I'm going to tweet it. So let's bring that over. My love of fast food chicken and sauce to my love of the Green Bay Packers. Our love of the Green Bay Packers. I know you're a Cane's lover as well, Jacob. Let's name our player of the game. And I'm I'm curious how you want to approach this. Do we go with the the obvious number one guys like do we pick a Jordan love or do we go with a little more under the radar here yeah I'm gonna go with the guy who it it is an obvious one but I think he has a story to go with it as well and that's Quay Walker and the the pick six obviously uh, aptly named for the show obviously too I think one of us is contractually obligated to pick him based on that alone but not only that think about where Quay Walker was for his last game of his rookie season he got thrown out of that game and it was the second time he had been tossed from a game that season. And Matt LaFleur is like an emotionless ice pick during press conferences. There is nothing. You could see him. There's a gif, I think, that's still used on Twitter of him pointing to his head saying, be smart, be smart. And after the game, visibly angry. At, basically, like, that's unbelievable. He said something along the lines of, like, that's unbelievable. We've never had a guy get kicked out of two games in my career anywhere I've been. Later said he would defend Quay Walker, the person, but not the actions. Understandable. And then to go into Chicago, a game that was chippy. And I do think it's of note that he wasn't in the center of those things, which isn't to say he wasn't playing aggressive or with his hair on fire or anything like that. But people know, and Walker has said it himself, they're going to bait him into trying to get into those plays. And then he finishes off the game. It really sucks that he's in the concussion protocol because like the biggest play of his career to date is – is that so last night on the pack a day podcast, I told Trey Watson, all that means is he's got to do it like three more times. So I'm all for that. But yeah, my first boy, he did it uh, sponsored to you by raising canes. It's not, but it should be canes listening. Hey, hello. We'll take some free chicken boxes. It's Quay Walker. And, and I think the redemption story, like we get redemption storylines for assholes like Deshaun Watson. This is a real one. You know, this is while it is, 
self-inflicted adversity. It's still adversity and it's able to be able to be overcome, which are, whereas, you know, that guy's isn't. So not to get all gross here, but that's just the way that it is. But Coy Walker, that's my guy. Yeah, this is, I speak for both of us, definitely a, the foremost anti-Nasty Man Watson podcast. We are very much anti the Nasty Man. Um, I'm going to go with a defensive player here as well. And I think there's a few that you can point, or I'm sorry, I was going to go with a defensive player. I thought about going with Rashawn Gary because he had five pressures and 10 snaps. 50% pressure rate. It's preposterous. He was really good. I thought a lot of those guys in the defensive line played really well. The secondary did what they do. I think Savage deserves a lot of props. Offense, I mean, Bach was great. Practice, we're talking about practice. He was great. I thought Zach Tom was great. He was the top-rated uh, player on the offense from Pro Football Focus this week. Love, obviously. Jones, obviously. Give me Romeo Dobbs, though. I'm going to go with Romeo for this one. The last... Two years. So last year, this year, I've been a big fan of him. Going back to his college, the the final dump with with our pal Matt Freilich, RIP to the podcast, not to Matt. He's alive and well. Um, we I talked about how I loved Romeo Dobbs in college because if you're like me, and on Saturdays you like to bet a lot, a lot of different games, you were probably up chasing bets a few different nights a week or a few different weeks of the year, Mountain West football, Nevada versus San Jose State, or Nevada versus Boise State or something, and you saw Romeo Dobbs go nuts multiple times. I loved that dude when he was at Nevada because he definitely won me some scratch when he was in college. I was super excited for him last year. He was awesome. Again, in limited snaps, not quite as limited as Rashawn Gary was defensively, also not the same kind of impact wide receiver versus edge rusher, but he had two touchdowns. He played 29 snaps. He also had a grab on a huge third down early in the game. That third and 13, that deep slant in um, from the outside, from that one position on the right-hand side of Love. That was a huge catch in the game. The high pointing of the ball and that fade we talked about earlier, that was huge. So I'm going to go with Romeo Dobbs. He's my boy he did it player of the week because the Packers needed someone in that receiving game to step up and not just be the recipient of passes but needed someone to actually go make plays on the outside. And I think Romeo did a great job of that this week. Uh, final thing involving the Chicago Bears, and I also wanted to touch on uh, the big football news of the week, which is obviously Aaron Rodgers done for the season with the torn Achilles. Um, I'll just share it personally real quick. I think if you're cheering on the fact that he got hurt because uh, of a number of things, why he may have pissed you off over time. I think it's lame. I think it's crappy. I think it's lame to root for injuries and be happy people are injured. I saw a bunch of people doing it on Twitter. I think it sucks. I don't like a lot of his personal and political and health beliefs either. That doesn't mean I'm going to cheer for the dude to get hurt. I I just think that's bizarre behavior, especially when he has met a lot to me and to a lot of Packers fans and brought us a bunch of good memories. So as we close this up, let's get some favorite memories. Let's reminisce a little bit. Bears, Packers, and Aaron Rodgers, and these might be tied together, uh, just some of our favorite memories from the Aaron Rodgers era, which might be over for the entire NFL after the torn Achilles, and from this rivalry, which, as we talked about at the top, means so much to both of us and both of uh, the people we grew up with as well. Sorry, I did that at, like, the worst possible time. Yeah, with, <laughs> with AR-12, and I'm, like not that sometimes. I'm not giving him the number 80s. He's number 12 to me, and he always will be. I mean, no. his jersey hangs over my shoulder. He's one of my favorite players in the history of the team. Um, I remember going through the Favre divorce 
And 16 year old me was not the general manager. And thank God I wasn't because I would have kept Brett Favre. Brett Favre was my hero. Like that's just, <laughs> that's reality. I love Brett Favre. I worshiped at the altar of Brett Favre. But then as soon as they traded him, I remember I bought an Aaron Rodgers Jersey the very next day. And that was my commitment to the team instead of the player. And I did that again this time around with Jordan Love and commitment to the team and not the player. And I wasn't rooting for the Jets to win or anything like that. But, I mean, if you're my age, which, you know, I'm old now, but there's there's two players you can argue are the greatest player in the history of the franchise, and that's Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And, and I see points for both, um, especially considering the situation with Favre and everything like that. Um, but I think those are the only two players – you can argue because they spent the majority, like Reggie White is probably the greatest individual player because he's got an argument for greatest defensive player ever, but he only played for the Packers for like six years. I'll be in a very impactful six years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Farver Rogers. And then you start talking about some other, you know, Bart Starr and Don Hudson and Ray Nitschke and some other players obviously have uh, a chance to stake that claim. But I mean, I, I remember when Favre's career ended and it was on a cold night in Minnesota where his head slammed against the turf and he was done. He was concussed and they didn't play again. And it was kind of like a man, like I was mad because he was playing for Minnesota, but like that just feels odd, you know, watching my favorite player ever at that point and have his career end Um, with Aaron Rodgers last night. I I don't know if his career ended. Uh, This is a guy who last year, last March said he was 90% retired when he went on a darkness retreat is he going to want to go through the rigorous rehab of an Achilles? Like an Achilles injury is the worst injury an athlete can have. Like that was why it was such a huge deal when it happened to Kevin Durant, for example, or you've talked to other players, the Achilles is different than the ACL or something like that in the modern day. So it was hard to watch. um, But there's a lot of great memories, you know, him yelling, I own you into the soldier field crowd is iconic. um, And it was accurate. And, yep. and, and that was the way that, that things had been. And remember, you know, before this Jordan love it's over, we're going back. That's how bear fans felt when Favre got traded and Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. kind of not only did better or not only like matched what Favre did against the bears, but surpassed it. He lost to the bears five times in his Packers career. That's incredible that that's the case. My favorite memory of uh, Aaron Rodgers against the bears. I mean, there's, there's some Favre memories in there too, but like, I can't think of anything more than I was in attendance for the 24, 23 comeback. And I was standing in the end zone when Randall Cobb scored a touchdown and just watching the gut, the grits and the guile say what you will about Aaron Rodgers, And there was a lot to be said about his physical toughness when he took over, considering the player he took over for. I don't think there's any question about this guy's physical toughness and his willingness to lay his body on the line for his teammates. Is he weird? Yes. Are there things that are, that he's done that I wish he would have handled differently. Certainly watching the player though, Aaron Rodgers, the player, there are few, if any athletes in the history of the world that have given me as much joy as Aaron Rodgers has throughout his career. So I look forward to the day they retire his number. And I hope that, I don't know if I want him to come back, you know, like I know that sucks that he only played four snaps or whatever, but like, I don't want him to come back and just be a total shell of himself either because it's just, he's 40. Like this is what happens. Father time is undefeated. Mm-hmm. It even beat Tom Brady. Like, I don't know. That's my take, but that's my favorite Packers memory. And, and Aaron, my thought on Aaron Rodgers as well. 
there are so freaking many when you talk about Aaron Rodgers versus the Bears. It, it is true. Like he he does still own them. And I I would love to see him play against them one more time and see him dominate that team one more time. But I mean, for me, you look at the NFC Championship game going into Super Bowl 45, and I know he wasn't great in that game, but in terms of Bears-Packers, I mean, that one was effectively for all the marbles that year, and the Packers came out on top, and he came out on top. That was a big deal. You look at the the I Still Own You game. You look at the 24-23 opening night of the season game. I got to go with fourth and eight. I mean, that is just one of the That's most the other one, yeah. iconic plays of, of the era of his entire, you know, of, of my life as a, as a Green Bay Packers fan. And the, the throw, the fact that both he and Cobb came back from injury, the fact that they were so close to having it blown up with Julius Peppers getting in the backfield before Kuhn shuts him down, Rodgers rolls out, getting to laugh at Chris Conti every single time I see the highlight. I mean, it's, it's just such a blast to uh to look back on that and it's a blast to look back on all these and um if that's it we've got someone in the comments mentions it's his left achilles he'll be back in just fine i don't really think it quite works like that but hey i'm not a doctor so you know what do i know um appreciate the input regardless um but i mean there's so many memories gill in the youtube comments he mentions the fake spike against miami rookie Devonte adams and you know how much i love Devonte. so many good memories over time jared cook on the sideline against the cowboys in the playoffs before the dismantling the next week against Atlanta. Oh, what a perfect segue. I mean, there's the just game. so many great ones over time. Um, Let's do the better one, the, the dismantling of Atlanta, which is still, to, in my opinion, to this day, it's that or Brett Favre against Oakland, the best I have ever seen a quarterback play in a game. Yeah. And and it's those two. So let's go to – we week got week. one more. We got about two minutes, so – yeah, let's get to the last one real quick here before we send you off to the freezer. And best wishes to Aaron Rodgers. It sucks. It, it just sucks for football. Packers-Falcons this week. So much happened in week one. We didn't get a ton of time to preview week two. Packers go on the road for the first time. The Falcons are better than the Bears. I think Arthur Smith's actually a fairly decent coach. Packers are favored by a point and a half on the road, Jacob. Over under just 41 and a half. Where are we going this week? I picked Atlanta on pack a day, but then I started doing more about like more previewing of the game and stuff like that. And again, like the Packers have the advantage at quarterback. I think they have the ability to rush the passer better than, than Atlanta does. And those are two really important things. In my opinion, the only thing that would sway my opinion drastically now on this is if I knew, and I did say this last night, Christian Watson, I don't know if he's going to play. Trey doesn't tell me anything. We're not on that level yet, I guess. Maybe Christian doesn't tell Trey either. Who knows? But those two guys, and if Aaron Jones can't play, like if those two guys can't play, I just don't know how Green Bay consistently moves the ball. But I'm going to guess one of them plays, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to flip from what I said last night. I'm taking the Packers, and I'm going to pick them 27-24, which that's what, 51 points? So I guess that's over. I'm going to go with the under. I am predicting slop. I am going to go out on a limb and say this game is going to look gross because a lot of Falcons games have looked kind of gross in recent memory and, and hell a lot of Packers games last season certainly did uh this is going to be a tougher test than the Bears were because it's on the road and because it's a better team uh the Falcons have weapons I think they did a good job rebuilding their defense this year too I still think they're a long way away and their quarterback is just not an NFL quarterback I just don't think Ritter is going to be good in the NFL so I think the Packers win give me Packers 20 to 17 I think it'll be lower scoring I think it's going to be ugly 
if they can pull out a gutsy, gritty win like that on the road, though, that's only going to help increase my level of confidence in this team going forward. We will, of course, be back coming up next Tuesday to recap that game. If you didn't get to catch us live, or at least all of the show live, go check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, wherever it might be on the Game on Wisconsin feed. And again, the freezer coming up immediately following us here across the Game on Wisconsin social media channels. For Jacob Westendorf and for yours truly, Brendan Dworzynski, this has been the Pick 6. We appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back next week to hopefully recap a win over the Atlanta Falcons. Talk to you then. 